Hi, Hannah. Hi, Tessie. This is so exciting. I know. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you so much for making the time. Of course. Oh, this is so exciting. Um, so let me start this off just by telling everyone how absolutely fabulous you are. Well, you're one of my best friends. Since the day I met you, we have been inseparable. And uh, I want everyone to really understand how incredible you are. So let me read a short bio of you, because your bio is a few pages long. So we decided on a few paragraphs together to share with everyone, which would be relevant for today. But I'm sure there will be at least another podcast with you, if not two more, with everything you're doing. Like, it's really incredible. So, Hannah Jasmine Jav Doste was born and brought up in San Diego in 1986, but spent much of her childhood in Tijuana, the home of her maternal family. She went to San John's Episcopal Elementary School and University of San Diego, San Diego High School in San Diego. Hannah is an American-born Mexican Kurd, reality TV, well, reality television personality, politician, philanthropist, conference speaker, human rights activist, and author. Hannah holds a master's degree in international relations, a bachelor's degree in psychology, and minors in political science and criminal justice. Hmm. She studied at National University of California in San Diego, Harvard University in Boston, Columbia University in New York, Tecnologico de Monterrey, Campus Monterrey, and La Sorbonne University of Paris. In March 2014, she was awarded an honorary doctorate degree for humanitarian work by the Claustro Doctoral in Mexico. In 2013, Hannah has been the Undersecretary of Relations with the Civil Society, the Undersecretary of Immigration, the National Secretary of Social Management of Youth Network for Mexico, and the National General Secretary of the Revolutionary Youth Expression in the Institutional Revolutionary Party. She was a federal congresswoman candidate of the Ecologist Green Party of Mexico. Hannah is the founder of Jeff Foundation for Education, a nonprofit organization created in 2013. The foundation has hosted more than 180 charity events worldwide, benefiting more than 120,000 people. Their mission is to teach English to immigrants, refugees and the less fortunate, launch non-discrimination campaigns and aim their attention on world peace and education. Today, the foundation has more than 7,000 active volunteers. I did not know that. That is pretty incredible. So Hannah is an activist for immigration and refugees and she frequently volunteers in Iraqi refugee camps where she teaches English and has donated thousands of her English learning books, which she created as well. In 2013, she organized the first Kurdish festival in Mexico, the biggest one ever held outside Kurdistan, attended by 80,000 people in four days. Hannah organizes frequently non-discrimination campaigns for the world's peoples to respect one another's race, skin color, national origin, gender, disability, religion, sexual orientation, social class, political views, and age. Hannah conducted a We Are One campaign in support of war victims in the Middle East. Her projects promote tolerance and public awareness about eliminating hatred. Um, so within that as well, you have a clothing line we Are One campaign, which we will also talk about today. Uh, you are an international speaker on several topics. And um, yeah, I think there's so much more to say. <laughs> I will make sure I put the full bio below. But one thing that I also just want to quickly add, you're also an incredible TV reality star in Mexico, where you did not just a show called Made in Mexico, but also uh, you created a show to create 
awareness of the border situation yes. in Mexico. So we will go into that as well. Hannah, <laughs> wow, yeah. I need to take a break now. Um, that is impressive. I think uh, the listeners and the one who are viewing the video, they can agree with me that this everything you have achieved so far has been really, really outstanding. Um, from a friend to a friend, you inspire me. Um, so let's start this off by saying, um, because often people always ask me, Tessie, how do you meet these people? How, how is it possible? So in a nutshell, because it's one of my favorite questions actually of the podcast, how did you meet me and what did you think about me? Okay, so I met you in Davos and it was in one of the WEF events and uh, Arabian Nights, right? Yes. And it was lovely. I, we sat next to each other and automatically there was this chemistry, this, this connection I felt like I was the Latin version of you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Do, we both do same things, but in different continents, basically. And um, so, yes, I think we have so much in common, and I think you are a power woman, and I think that it's very inspiring, everything that you've done, and you inspire me in everything that I hear you're doing. It pushes me to do, to do even more. So I love surrounding myself with friends that are um, that inspire me and make me a better person and I think that you're one of those people that do that and um, I'm very happy since I moved to London and I met you because you are one of the few people that I've counted on since I live here so I am honored to be your friend and it has been such a beautiful uh, experience and year and all the memories that we have, trips and everything. So um, I, you know, you have my support and I have your back in anything that, in any future projects that you may have. And honestly, um, you read my bio, but I think your bio is just as long or even longer. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. That's really beautiful um, to hear because I think it's so important to know how the chemistry happened for the readers and for the for the listeners. Because uh, this podcast, as you know, it's about meeting new friends through Tessie's lens. And I really want to kind of bridge the gap between um, people wanting to know how, when and why I meet people and, and how it's being done for me uh, and for my friends. And I think... Uh, that's why I think that question has been always very relevant also to the other speakers. But enough of that. Let's move over to, um, to Hannah Land. Um, let's start it off smoothly. Tell me a little bit about your childhood, about you as a child, your first memories. Um, what did you like about it? And what um, maybe what was the first situation where you knew, huh, Life is maybe not always that that easy because I think it's so important for our young listeners to understand that also successful women such as yourself have also moments uh, where they're confused maybe or where uh, there's an issue and that that starts as well when you're a child and that this brings resilience and gives us lessons to learn from and shouldn't be seen as bad things. Right. Um, I think that anyone can read a bio and uh, or uh, see an Instagram or or go on someone's website and see all the um, successes that that person has done, but they don't realize the obstacles and struggles that that person went through. 
for instance, behind why I do what I do is, uh, is a reason. You know, um, since I was a very young, I grew up in a border town, Tijuana, San Diego, and uh, with constant, constant negative news, news towards, um, towards uh, drug wars and violence and, and corruption and the death toll in my country was something very hard to grow up around. And from my father's side, him being from the Middle East and being from a region that has also have had many wars since I was uh, a little girl. And I think it was when my father took me for the first time to refugee camps. And my parents are very big philanthropists. How old were you? I was, the first time I went was probably seven or eight years old. Mm. And, um, and I think that that made me empathize with people. Because it's one thing to read about it or see it on TV, and it's another thing to actually um, live it in, in um, fresh, um, you know, see, seeing it and feeling it and hearing it. And um, so that's when I said, I think I should devote my life to helping uh, others. And uh, being from a mixed uh, binational family, uh, uh, multi religious, multicultural, and um, multilingual, everything it was was growing up in the states as well, which was a third one, a third country, third uh, beliefs and traditions and uh, language and everything. So, for me, that whole um, diversity and uh, so many people coming in and out of the house that were from different nationalities and points of views um, led me to a person to be this uh, sort of international humanitarian. And um, being uh, very considerate of other countries, you know, what they're going through, not just the one I may be living in at the moment. So uh, others may be easily uh, judge, judge others because they haven't seen it or they mm-hmm. haven't felt it before or, or don't have anyone close enough to empathize with it. So that's why I started my charity and that's why I started We Are One Campaign. So um, both of them work together. We Are One Campaign is a nonprofit clothing line, and it's all about, it's a world peace movement, basically. And it's all about tolerance, respect, and unity. And it's um, to eliminate hate and uh, wars and bullying and any sort of um, uh, bad treatment towards others. So uh, we can all agree to disagree, but with respect. And it doesn't matter uh, what skin color you are, what race, what religion, uh, what sexual orientation, gender, disability you may have. Uh, we are one. That's the point of the clothing line. So uh, what it, what what does the clothing line have? So it's uh, basically just apparel. And instead of uh, just buying a white t-shirt mm-hmm. from um, any website, our white t-shirts have positive messages on them. Mm. And uh, so if... I believe that if people can see positive messages around them, uh, people will, if one person changes, another one changes, and it's a a world peace chain of love. Mm. Basically, that's what we're trying to do. And and every time you buy a a clothing piece from the online store, we donate a book, and that's what Jaw Foundation is all about. So Jaw Foundation, I founded six years ago, and... um, it's we teach English to immigrants and refugees. Why? Because I think education is a tool. I think education it's something that um, a human right that everybody should have, 
and um, and when I saw these necessities of uh, refugees and immigrants, and I wanted to help, um, obviously we help in in whatever they need, you know, food, water, shelter, blankets, clothes. But what I saw was that um, they were lacking in education. So that's something I wanted to be a part of. Mm. And uh, many of these refugees and immigrants were migrating to English-speaking countries, looking for a better life, basically. So I said to myself, how can I help them get to that better, you know, getting better opportunities for them, for them once they're at that, in the country they want to migrate to, basically. So I wrote uh, an English book, a self-taught English book. And what I noticed that many of them have a lot of time on their hands because they're waiting, waiting for the next, um, uh, for the next opportunity to, to move to. So, and many of them don't have um, televisions, phones with um, electricity. So I saw that that once I started to give away my book to them, they were actually reading it and they were actually studying it. And when they were migrating to another country, they were taking it in their backpack. So um, I've seen and I've done studies, uh, surveys, and um, and I've gone to give them away, and then I come back six months later, and they actually all had improved in English. Hmm. So because they're interested in, in it just as much as I'm interested in them learning it, because they're they're they want to be prepared to the country they're migrating to to know some sort of communication with other people, right? So that's what Jaff Foundation does, and that's what We Are One does, and um, and. The story behind it is my parents, basically. Um, refugees remind me of my father, and immigrants remind me of my mother because both of them are phil- big philanthropists in those fields. Wow, yeah. that is incredible, absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. I have seen you firsthand as well working in, in these environments. Um, some things that come up to my mind, so there's two, uh, two questions. One is maybe a suggestion that maybe we could do that together, which came to my mind when you said um, there's messages on the T-shirts of uh, inspirational, uplifting messages. And I was wondering, as we are approaching the end of the year and International Women's Day is coming up in March next year, I was wondering if we should launch a um, a kind of like a um, campaign with schools, kids, um, that the schools can submit their inspirational uh, sentences and then see uh, how we can make that a global movement kind of thing. I think that would be amazing. I don't know if you do that, but if you do, that would be lovely uh, to consider, I guess. Um, But for the other thing, uh, what I want to ask you, I love that you said, you know, kind of like um, everyone can vouch their opinion, but not every opinion needs to be considered, but they need to be all respected Mm. and that we're all different. So um, going then to your political career, how was that for you? Because, you know, me as someone who has never traveled to Mexico, just reading about it in the news yesterday as well, you know, it, it seems like a, like a violent, dangerous place to go. Um, a lot of travel companies always give these travel warnings, but yet it's such a beautiful country with so much to see and... and you know, you have such beautiful landscapes and the culture and the people in itself. Are, it's just so beautiful um, because I myself have considered to come and visit you, of course, mm-hmm. and I will. Yeah. Um, but it's just as that stereotype, right? So question one, 
How is it for you as a young woman to be in politics in such a volatile and violent society? Um, and I can imagine also with the politicians, which are mostly male. Mm -hmm. So how is that for you? And the second question would be, um, how is it to live there as a person for you? Like if, if I were to come to visit, what would you show me and um, what would you tell me to pay attention to to keep safe? Well, I really hope you come soon. Yes, and, planning, um, planning. Absolutely. And Mexico was, I feel that, very privileged that I grew up in a country like that. I don't think I've ever felt that warmth in another country like I felt it in Mexico. Mm -hmm. the, the, the vibe and the attitude and the love among Mexicans is something that um, I don't know if you've ever felt, maybe you can compare it to maybe... A football game that wins in a World Cup mm. and uh, you see your fellow citizens in another country and you're all cheering together and you don't know each other but you all feel like family yeah that's exactly sort of, that's sort of how Mexicans um, we're very warm people we're very close to each other um, even among my friends parents we call them aunt uncle cousins um, everyone's very in into each other and um, the culture and the inside jokes and um, our music and our food and just the way society uh, behaves. For instance, uh, lunchtime from two to five is literally like, it would be like a Friday night here with a bank holiday. You know, it's just oh, like wow. everyone That's is amazing. such a nice vibe, you know, and, um, and, I really miss it. Everyone, like the, the mariachis and the after parties and the posadas. What is the, a mariachi and posada? The, the, um, <laughs> so it's the singers. Yes. They, then they, they dress up in their traditional. Oh, traditional, so that um, really exists. Yes, yes. Because we see it in movies, of yes, course. Of course, of course. That is amazing. And, um, and I, there's so many things. That it, Mexico is just wonderful. It's uh, there. You know when you go to a country and maybe you go to visit one or two cities? Mexico has about 20 cities you have to see mm. for, for, it, for you to even see half of it properly. And yeah. uh, the beaches, the colonial and um, cities and villages and uh, the towns and um, the industrial cities. And yes, it has its bad publicity, but I don't believe that that I feel that that's a minority in our country. It's not all of it, you know. Yeah. And I grew up in a border town where uh, Tijuana was very prone to these kind of situations, um, where dangerous mm. situations. But in my mind, when I think of Mexico, I don't think of the bad things that happened in Tijuana. I think of the good things that have happened. And, uh, and I see it as a whole, right? And everything we have positive. And... Uh, it's just absolutely wonderful. The pyramids, the history, our, our history is, is, is absolutely the architecture there. And, um, and it's just amazing. And I do get really sad that um, our current situation with the violence and uh, drug wars and the shootings and um, innocent people that have been uh, victimized by those situations. And you do live in a constant fear that something bad will happen. That's the only thing that I can compare life in Europe towards that mm. life in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So if I were to take you 
um, obviously it's not something that you feel is unsafe. When you go, it's not like you feel that something's going to happen. It's not in the air. On the contrary, in the, in the atmosphere, it's very safe. Mm. You don't even realize that maybe something happened once upon a time in that very situation. Um, but it is something that you just have to be attentive and uh, maybe not um, go in certain areas at certain times by yourself and um, and but I don't feel that it's something that any tourist should be you know not go to because of that I think that you just have to know where to go to so so um, the capital for instance the beaches Mm -hmm. very tourist areas is perfectly fine I would maybe avoid some areas that are have been under um, maybe violent situations lately, but mm-hmm. um, even even then, I don't even think it's it would be something that you would have to be cautious, too cautious, because it's mostly happens among uh, the same organizations, mm-hmm. the, the criminal organizations, not not so much tourists. So um, unless you're uh, there at the wrong time, the wrong place, wrong time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I can't I can't say. Uh, uh, yeah, you just yeah, don't know don't, exactly. Don't know exactly. It happens in Europe so, as well. Even yeah. here in London, yeah. how many people just get exactly. stabbed on the street exactly. in the evening? You know. Yeah. And so I yes. lived there. I lived there in Mexico City for six years, and I lived in Monterey, which is the north, for four years, and then Tijuana for the first the first four years of my life. So I think that um, I mean, home for me is Mexico, and um, and my passion was always politics, and I studied a master's in Boston and um, ask for an opportunity and I am the, the witness and I can say that Mexico does give opportunities to people that are prepared and, um, and make their own way because I didn't have any shortcuts I didn't have the contacts and in the beginning I was um, on my own I didn't have the friends or, or the family in Mexico City to introduce me to um, political parties or the people running it basically mm-hmm. So I just, um, I showed my CV and I got an, uh, an opportunity and I was undersecretary of immigrants in the wow. ruling party. How old and were you? I was 26. Wow. And, uh, and then I was undersecretary of the civil society also in the ruling party. So um, it, it was a roller coaster of emotions. Um, obviously, when I was there, I was working in a man's world, but at the same time, Mexico has done very well in, um, in, in being inclusive so they have 50 percent by law has to be women working in politics so that's something that the former president um did and that was incredible mm-hmm. so um, and also that is that is a while ago yes so they were kind of like on yes. the forefront even exactly. before the europeans exactly. enforced it a bit more right? exactly mm-hmm. and obviously um i think that in any field in any career there will be obstacles among other co-workers and um criticism and uh, i think i've been through um harassment uh blackmail and um all sorts of uh, uh, defamations but i think that when you're when that happens it's because you're doing something right and you start be- to become a threat to others right so you always kind of have to keep going and see the good in everything and be like, okay, there is a reason why people may not want me to, you know, continue, right? It's because they see that I'm doing a good job, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, I've always kept my 
my hopes and my head high because if not, you would just be crying in your office every day, mm-hmm. and which I did do many times, and I wanted to mm-hmm. quit many, many, many times. But I think that in all, it was a wonderful experience, and I got to put my say in um, in politics yep. in in the in the future of Mexico at the moment, and um, and it was a wonderful. It, I love being involved in the decisions that were made in my country at the moment. So um, I would do it again in a heartbeat, and I think that there is more good than bad. I did. I could give you a really long list of you know bad things that happened, but nothing that would um, stop me from trying to be a part of the decisions that are made in the country that I'm from. So that's very yeah. inspiring because it it is true that, um, and I'm sure some of the listeners as well, a lot of women who are listening to this podcast, um, they will find themselves within their lives, within the same situations where they were just, me as well, myself. I, I went as well through defamation, a lot of criticism and all of these things because of my work, because of my private life, which shouldn't be really debated by anyone else than myself. Um, but... I think, I guess, as a public person for you and for me, that is just something we have on top of it. But for the normal woman, I think um, just to have that tension and to also be pressured and even blackmailed by some of your co-workers, um, I think there's a lot of that that a lot of women can find themselves in Mm -hmm. and to just understand to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. And the message you were saying for yourself, but also to apply to to other women to say, you're doing something right. If people criticize you and blackmail you and try to push you out, really analyze what are you doing? Mm. Because it's very likely something amazing that other people don't want you to do or want to do it themselves. Um, So, um, yeah, really, really incredible. Thank you. So so well done on that. Well done on that. So um, a little bit more lighter then, uh, coming from Mexico to Europe then to London. Um, Why London? And uh, what do you like the best here? What do you do every day in London, for example? So I I chose London for personal reasons. I am, I'm so I'm 32. And uh, I think I based on my bio that you read, uh, you can see that I most of my 20s, I either studied or worked. Mm -hmm. And I think that once you're in the city for that long, and a country for that long, it's sometimes good to move on to different experiences. Yes. And um, I like all. I've always liked the international uh, experience because I think that I, in the universities that I studied at, I learned more from the students than from the teachers, because every single student that was from a different part of the world had a different point of view, mm. and a different um, way of of thinking and um, and expressing and I was always very intrigued by that and London I always saw as an international city of the world and um, it was always sort of my loophole waterhole and uh, before going to the Middle East I would always stop in London and it was sort of my like you know um, layover before North America before North America or or the Middle East mm-hmm. and I just um, have had some projects with uh, refugees and I think that it's the closest thing that I can be to them and um, and I've also had some conferences that uh, well, I'm a, a 
healthy speaker. And um, I've done uh, many speeches in, in different universities. Uh, and make sure as well under the podcast that we will share maybe some YouTube videos. Oh, sure. Thank in you. In the writing, yeah, if you... My TED Talks. Exactly. And, uh, my talks in the UN. That would be and, wonderful. And uh, I just think that London is, is for the moment, very... Um, comfortable for me it's a it's i'm living so many different um experiences that i haven't been able to in in mexico just because in mexico the majority of the people i surround myself are mexicans and um and i just came for that i came to london to live uh just a small period of my life something different and uh because i've done middle east i've done north america so america east coast west coast mexico mm -hmm. and uh different countries in the middle east And I felt that it was time to, to experience something new and, uh, and something European. So I have done Paris before. So I studied at Sorbonne. Yeah. And, uh, and I had never done London. So um, I, I took a chance and I said, why not? And I moved here in March uh, permanently because I was always in and out. Yeah. And, um, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. I've made incredible friends. And uh, not one of them is actually Mexican. All of them are, are from different parts of the world, which is what I'm so excited about because now I can actually say, like, I have a friend in, in not in every single country, but in, in a lot of countries, different countries, which is uh, really cool. It, it opens your mindset to, to different opinions and, 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 just, and it just makes you a person that you can... You can tell when, pers when a person hasn't gone out much or, or read enough or experienced enough or traveled mm. enough by how close-minded or judgmental he is mm. or she is. So the more you travel, the more you see, the more you understand, the more, the more open-minded you will be. The more complimentary you are exactly. as well to your peers. So um, that's mm. why I chose London and it's just personal reasons. And I continue to run my charity from here. And I continue to run We Are One, and my conferences are still going on. Yes. And uh, my books are still being donated. And um, Oh, I just saw that, by the way. Yes. Uh, you just donated, what was it? Uh, books to Africa. Yeah, like nine boxes. Yeah, and it was uh, 16. 16 boxes, yeah, sorry. 16 boxes, it was 800 books. Wow. And uh, so whenever we, someone buys a, a T-shirt, I donate a book. So that was uh, this month's um, That's amazing. sales. So uh, we donate those to Africa this month, which was, yeah. we try to do it every month. And, uh, and yes, I was just um, extremely happy to do that too, because I had never done Africa. So mm. we're trying to do every touch as many countries in, in the world as possible. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure, I will make sure as well I put a link of all of your different works and foundation and, and uh, the books online. Yes. So, wow, that, that is amazing, Hannah. Um, so, uh, yeah, as I said, I will make sure all of the links and everything will be there uh, for people to go and explore, also get engaged, because you have 8,000 volunteers. I'm mm -hmm. sure there's space for many more. Mm -hmm. So please do join Hannah's initiatives because they're absolutely amazing. And Gabriel, Noah and I, myself, are already supporting her where we can because it is needed. We all need to watch out for one another. And uh, it's not always about giving money. It's also about giving time and skills and expertise. So there's really no excuse for not getting involved. That's always what I say to everyone. Um, and so I say it as well to you guys. 
So moving on now, something that I love and have um, watched a little bit too. I don't watch much TV, but I of know. course, when one of your best friends is in it, <laughs> you do watch it. So tell me about um, your different Netflix series. How did you get in it as well? Mm -hmm. How does someone can get in who really want to become an actor? Mm -hmm. uh, how does it feel to be an actor and be recognized mm -hmm. on the street? And what is the responsibility as well to ro hold that, that celebrity status when a lot of young people specifically are inspired by you? Yeah. Well, it comes with a lot of responsibility because now everything you say or post or do can be used against you. Uh, your life is no longer private anymore. It's a uh, public life, right? Uh, every time I post something on Instagram, you have to be careful how you portray it. How, how do you, what do you say? How, yeah. if other people's feelings can get hurt. So um, now, uh, obviously, it's life-changing. Um, at the beginning, when I told you that I, I got to Mexico when I was 26, and I started a foundation by myself, no one else believed in me many people actually closed the door on me before they even opened it mm. and today I grew it into eight thousand seven thousand people and um, another thousand internationally and and 18 offices in Mexico wow 18 states 18 teams and three countries so if I can do it anyone can do it it's no one uh, gave it to me no one donated to me no one uh, gave me a check I actually had to knock on every mm. single door to do all um, 186 events and 180,000 mm. people that I've worked. So obviously when that happened, I started to make a bit of noise, you know, on um, on these uh, social magazines in Mexico. And, and then I was in politics and that helped even more. And then I got many recognitions uh, among the Mexican government and magazines. Um, uh, I was on Forbes and uh, 30 under 30 and... Uh, In, um, sorry, Entrepreneur Magazine, 30 Under 30, Forbes 100, and um, and Woman of the Year by um, Mujer Emprendedora, and just uh, different magazines. So people It's amazing. were kind of like knowing mm. my name. And, um, and I guess when Netflix um, asked around, because I think they send like scouters to see, well, you know, maybe who's working in different fields, who's doing what, um, I think my 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 name um, popped up, mm -hmm. and um, and so they they reached out to me, and they explained what the show was going to be about, and um, and it was going to be a show to show a different perspective on Mexicans and Mexican life, and when I heard that, because you know how we're used to watching all of these like narco shows and like the worst about Mexico, yeah, yeah they yeah. said they were going to film a show showing like. The nice parts of Mexicans and um, Mexican parts and cities and um, and residencies and the that there's Mexicans that are bilingual and Mexicans that have serious jobs and Mexicans that have um, have you know different backgrounds. So I was like, you know, I want to be a part of something that will improve Mexico's image. Yeah, that's and, nice. Uh, if someone in Australia will see it and want to go to Mexico after it. Why not be a part of something that like that? So I saw it as a, as um as a project, as um sort of like a charity project, but not so much. You know, I saw it as something that I could be involved in to help Mexico uh, internationally, basically. And I think that once people saw it, it did. 
And um, obviously, it's um, it's it's hard to be in a show like that because you film for so many hours. You know, we filmed for about six hundred to a thousand hours, and the show was only about seven hours. Wow! So it was very one sided, and um, many of the the scenes that I filmed weren't completely shown. And uh, so, in the end of the day, it is a show, right? So it has to make sales and yeah. uh, they will put the juiciest parts and not really a documentary with all like truths yeah, right? of course so um i it it did help me in in a way where people after the show knew my name even more and i am recognized in mexico quite often and uh people have written afterwards saying how how i inspired them or mm-hmm. how i changed them or how i improved them and um and and that's wonderful and and i take that that good that i did and um i'm not gonna regret anything because i don't think i uh nothing there was nothing wrong with it mm-hmm. it was just like you know when you're in a show you're i'm a perfectionist and you see everything and you always want to like even when i listen to my ted talks i can't even listen to them yeah yeah, yeah. it gives me so much uh, yeah, oh god i, I should have said this i should have said that i yeah. should have said that so it's the same with the show. I have to say. And, um, <laughs> and now I got involved in the new one, which is called Walls. And it's all about immigrant awareness. And none of the other cast members are in it, just me. And uh, we're going to film four episodes. One, one of the episodes is all about awareness in Mexico, America, mm. what's going on with... Um, yeah, at the moment, also with the children exactly, and everything. The yeah. Immigrants crossing the border, human trafficking, all of the things, uh, the bad, the sad things that... Uh, go on in our borders that we don't know. Mm. And um, I think that I don't agree with any of these borders, by the way. I think that uh, it's a human right to be able to uh, have the same opportunities as anybody else. And obviously, I do um, think that if anyone wants to come into a country, they should do it legally, just out of um, safetyness um, for everyone. But I think that everyone deserves an opportunity, the same opportunity as anyone else. And... Um, and so, so that's what the show is about, the first episode. And the second and third, fourth episode, we will do in different borders of the world. So it's called Walls. So basically, mm. we will do with uh, what's going on with Syrians and yeah. Syrians in Greece or um, mm. the people in Myanmar, the people mm. who actually, um, you know, the people that have migrated on, on these like boats, mm. these little small boats. Um, near but Italy, e- but even here, the camps in in Brussels, exactly, and uh, in London here mm-hmm. on the corners. I yes. think that is as well very timely now with Brexit, mm-hmm. and now that winter is coming again. Yeah. We had a huge refugee crisis last year, as you yeah. remember, and the year exactly. before. So that would be also very, very yeah, exactly. So important. I think that um, it's one thing to help. So I have a charity, and uh, I have a clothing line. But if you don't have the awareness around it. There's only so much you can do because you can help a refugee, but um, I'm only one person. But if you bring awareness, you bring television, you bring conferences, speeches that I've done, that goes hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. So this is why one of the reasons why I'm, since I began my career, I've been a conference speaker and now television because I get this message even even farther and get more people involved um, because without it, it's just, um, it's, it's there's only so much that gets done with one person i'm just i for instance the 150,000 people that we've helped in my charity i didn't do that by myself i did it with a team exactly and that team heard of me somehow whether it was conferences whether it was um 
podcasts, interviews, magazines, or television. So um, that's one of the things that I've uh, wanted to come, uh, come and tell you that one of the main things is, yes, you, you can help and make a difference, but you also have to um, transmit and communicate that with others. So mm-hmm. it could be a chain of, of peace, a chain of, of change, right. basically. So, um, so yes, that's why one of the reasons why I got into television, not because I want to become an actress. <laughs> You're a good one, though. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, I understand. <laughs> but it, not because it was never a dream to become, uh, you know, a, a superstar or, um, or you know, a Oscar winner or anything like that. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, and nor do I want to. No, no. Uh, it's just something that I did to get my, my message out there. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really important that... Um, each one of you listening as well, that you use your own platform to share your message, but that it is important to work with one another. We're not here to reinvent the wheel. If you think something is needed, it's very likely that other people have thought about it as well. Mm -hmm. So join forces with each other. Um, Not only will it be more productive, more diverse, but also um, the, the growth will be so much more substantial. Um, of course, as well, as you said before, um, as you hinted on, one needs to also um, read and have the education for it because you can't be a game changer if you're not aware of the whole situation. Right. You really need to make sure that you inform yourself properly before doing something because we have a lot in charity work um, and with NGOs that we see that they do things that they think they're helping uh, women and men on the ground, but right. actually it's useless for them right. because they don't need it. But just because these specific charities or NGOs thought that they needed them because that's the stereotype they thought that is what needed it, what is needed, they did that. And I think all of these mistakes can be avoided when you inform yourself, when you work together, right. and when you share the message as well as Hannah does. Mm-hmm. Um, already so um last question this is really exciting and i could talk with you forever well we talk for hours right (laughs) this is just a little glimpse for all of us to enjoy um but one last message from you to our listeners a one powerful message a message that keeps you going and uh what you think everyone should have heard when they were very young that um, kindness is something that everyone has to hear and you don't have to agree with my causes you don't have to join my charity Um, you don't have to uh, be part of a chain of we are one and uh, but just don't hurt others I think that you can have your own beliefs and uh, you can have a point of view and no one will take that ever away from you but just don't harm other people because I think that everyone is so hard on on vulnerable and minority groups that are going through things that others will never have never even seen or imagined or come close to and everyone is so tough to to judge and close their doors and borders with others until they're there and see it themselves. So I think that everybody should be, whatever you do, um, 
whether if it's your lawyer or a public servant or a doctor or a construction worker or whatever you do, you should be that and have a heart of a philanthropist as well, humanitarian. And, um, and I just think that no one's really born hating on another one. That's something that they teach us. So I think that to answer your question, that kindness is something that we should be taught at a very young age. And if we don't want to be kind, then just don't hurt others. And everything here that I said today, yes, it's wonderful. And, um, and many can say, well, good on her or, you know, success is a nice feeling. But success and, you know, awards is... Um, diplomas and uh, achievements it's, it's yeah it's, it's for someone it's sort of like the gasoline to keep moving that you're doing something right um, but the true satisfaction is not how many awards you get to hang up but how many people have a better life because you exist and if you manage to change at least one person's life in your lifetime then for me you had a successful life so um, that's the message I think that I would give to everyone and everyone that should just going back to at a very young age that, and I'll repeat it again, that should be um, taught upon and live upon is kindness and um, just treating everyone with respect if you don't want to. That's amazing. I think that's a beautiful closing. Um, it's really about um, being there for one another. Don't judge. Be kind. That's also something I keep telling people. Because it's just not nice talking bad about someone else. It hurts you inside as well. It hurts a person who says bad things about others too. They're obviously very hurt about something. Um, you know. But giving love, compassion, respect support and kindness generosity of heart philanthropy all of these these key tools make our society better so be one of these people today we are not perfect none of us are we all have these feelings emotions inside us but you are the one controlling your own emotions and you are the one controlling your own action And you can choose that. So choose kindness today. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you for, for your time. Me. This was really amazing. I love talking to you. I make sure I share all of the links below for everyone to check out your amazing work. Thank you. Go and follow her on Instagram as well. I will put her link there. She's always up for something cool. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode of Meeting New Friends through Tessie's Lens. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you.